Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Chuck Charles W. Bryant. Happy Leaf Erickson Day. Happy Leaf Erickson Day to you too, Chuck. And that is today is Leaf Erickson Day. Mm -hmm. And if you remember, Josh, in our recent podcast on the first Americans, you made oh, a, you made a little joke. Do you want to hear it? Let's go back. Okay. Here's go back music. Columbus was beaten by a good 500 years by the Norse, mm-hmm. right? Who found uh, who were in Newfoundland? That's not what we were taught in history in Definitely elementary not. school. There's no Norse day. No, no, that'd be awesome. Actually, no Leif Erikson day. I don't think there is. Mm. Not in the not U.S. Here, no. So there you have it. And there is a Leif Erikson Day. Yeah. And we both have a little egg on our faces because we didn't know that. And it is today, and it's very ironic. Yeah. But people that wrote in said, uh, I'm assuming it was a joke that you were I saying. I know. That's how we get away with most yeah, of the errors. I'm going to write them all back and say, funny. you caught it. You gotcha. caught the joke. Yeah. There was actually one guy, if you uh, love delicious irony, who said he was making his Leif Erikson Day Viking hat while he was listening to that podcast. Yeah. Of, Pretty cool. Uh, where the Clovis the First American. So, yeah. As you said, happy Leaf Erickson Day to you, Chuck. Yes. So now for your intro, which I'm sure you had planned before I eviscerated you. No, you, you pretty much, oh, you eviscerated me, didn't you? <laughs> really? Maybe. Slightly. Okay. Well, Chuck, uh, how old's your house, man? My house uh, was built in 1932, I think. 1931 or 32. Very nice. Old house. Yeah. The one I live in is from 1920, I believe. You always got to show me up. I know. I'm sorry, buddy. Okay. It wasn't intentional. You own, I rent. How about that? All right, well, that's the ultimate show up. Exactly. Thank you for that, Chuck. Sure. Um, and I, I've often wondered, like, what has gone on with this house? There's this mysterious um, tarp that goes across the entire property. A tarp? Like a plastic tarp? It's not plastic. It's woven. It looks like, you know what they use for silt fence? Uh-huh. It's just like that, except it's not standing up, and it's clearly it was purposefully laid down. And my house is on a hill, so I've often wondered, like, did they build this over an old dump? But did they even have dumps like that in 1920? This is under your the foundation of your house? It doesn't go into the foundation, but it goes all throughout the yard. And like I said, it's on a hill, so it could be just to prevent erosion or something like That's that. That's probably what it is. Uh, I'm too lazy to ask the landlord what the deal is. Cause did I they wanna... have erosion in 1923? No. No. No, they didn't. That was uh, that started in the Great Erosion Fire of 1989. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Someone will believe that. Probably. Happy Leaf Erickson Day, Chuck. You too. But I, what my point is, is I have no idea what's going on with my house or what went in, went on in my house. Uh, me either. I know it got a roof like a, a couple months ago, and that's all I know about the house. So the history of your home is I got a roof a couple months ago. Exactly, <laughs> as far as I can tell. But I know some really interesting stuff has gone on there. Something can't stand for, what, uh, almost 90 years um, and not have something interesting happening. Agreed. In it. You, would, you would hope. Right. And I imagine the same is uh, true for your house. Yeah, like, I'm so. sure there's been squatting that had happened there before. Perhaps. Um, and I know somebody who we could go talk to about this, and that somebody is your wife. Yes. She wrote this article. That we're I, basing this on. I apologize for that intro. That's all right. Emily wrote this article, and uh, she's a freelance writer for How Stuff Works, mm-hmm. proving it's who you know, Josh. Agreed. In order to get jobs, uh, to some extent, yes. Especially if who you know is 
hands down the finest writer at HowStuffWorks.com <laughs> and also has the finest hair. She knows Robert Lamb. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chuck, let's talk about this. Why did I just mention your wife? Because Take it, Chuck. I'm trying to keep it on you. <laughs> I thought we just said because she wrote this article. Oh, okay. I wasn't listening. Uh, how to find the history of your house. Gotcha. On HowStuffWorks.com. What would she come up with? Well, Do I need, should I just get Emily in here? Yeah, we probably should, actually. Okay. She can teach you how to make soap and how to find the history of your house all at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, there are certain steps you can take, and we're going to go through those right now. Starting with, talk to your neighbors. This new neighborhood, uh, the neighbors, I don't know anybody. I don't talk to anybody. I mean, right. You mean I just moved in a couple months ago, but... A classic neighborhood, though, that you live in. It is very much so, and I assume that the neighborhood would be mm-hmm. much more community-oriented. Everybody's kind of doing their own thing, you know? Right. Everybody, like, kind of says hi when you're passing by, but it's also a thoroughfare um, for people to get from one place sure. to another. So I think that kind of lends this transient nature to it. Right, to get people speeding through your neighborhood. Right, exactly. And everybody's a stranger because mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. Um, at the last neighborhood, it was, it was off of a major thoroughfare, and it was kind of isolated, and everybody knew each other. It was it was really cool. It right. reminded me of a neighborhood that you'd live in as a kid um, because you'd go out and play Except playing involved like heavy drinking, right. uh, that kind of thing. But like you had friends in the neighborhood, right? Uh-huh. It, it was cool like that. Um, but I, uh, there were some neighbors that had lived there since the seventies that I knew of um, and had spoken to. They weren't old timers, but they were. Right. They, I guess they had uh, grown up there a little bit. They were like, "Yeah, this place used to be a hotbed for um, meth." There's like a. I found out that there had been a thriving meth lab just a couple doors down really? from my house, my old house. Yeah, the one in East Atlanta. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you troubling. can learn some interesting stuff about your neighborhood. You sure can. Yeah. Just by talking to your neighbors. Exactly. So that's step one. Yeah, that's the easiest way to kind of get you get the ball rolling. Right. Let's say your neighbors, um, if you try to go up to their house and and even if you're greasing their palms with some cookies, they're they're like, get off my property. Yeah. Where do you go from there, Chuck? <laughs> well, if you want to start your investigation in earnest with records, you should go find the records, which is at the county recorder's office. Right. And Emily makes a good point. She's, she says that although there's a lot of people who are into digging up the history of their home, yeah. I get the impression this is a, a lot like genealogy to some people. Absolutely. Um, that there's not that many uh, resources for old-timey information online. No, you can't find um, a lot of these court records. You know, they're housed on paper in, you know, the depths of City Hall, usually. Mm-hmm. And no one has said, hey, maybe we should take the time to scan these and put them online. Right. So what are we going to find at the county recorder's office? Uh, well, what you want to find is the deed history of your house. Okay. You're which... going to find a guy in Birkenstocks with <laughs> yeah. socks, like, playing your recorder. You'll probably find that. Sure. You might smell some incense. And you want to get the deeds and trace back the deeds to the original owner, if that's what your ultimate goal is. Right. To find out who originally built or owned your home. You're also going to find on file, um, and what you would take, I guess, is your plot number or your address. Which could change, though. It can change, which is why it's a good idea to know your plot number. That doesn't change. Right. I would say, actually, if you have a house that's 75, 80 years old, chances are your address did change. Yeah. Over the years. Especially if they doled it out um, kind of haphazardly at sure. first. Sure, parcel yeah, it out. The, uh, the, 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 when somebody builds a new house or something like that, nobody likes to be, you know, 735 and a half right. Maple Street. No one I likes was a, to be. I was a quarter in uh, L.A. My apartment was. A quarter? Was, yeah, it was um, 20, 27 something and a quarter. Huh. Because I was in a fourplex 
uh, apartment building. I thought below half they just started assigning letters. I, dude, this is L.A. Gotcha. I, I think they have eights and sixteenths. <laughs> Maybe I people know. just like cramped in, in uh, right. linen closets, right? Uh, another thing you can look for, Josh, is uh, have you ever heard of the Sanborn map? I hadn't until I read this, and I went and did a little research on Sanborn. And Give me the skinny, by then. God, they were interesting. Yes. The Sanborn Map Company was out of uh, Michigan, I believe, and they serviced, and not in any kind of dirty way, the fire insurance industry. Yeah. Apparently, insurance maps were big as a whole back then. Yeah. If, if you were you know, located in Delaware, if your insurance company was located in Delaware and you had somebody in Taos, New Mexico, who wanted fire insurance from you, um, what are you going to do? Send some guy out to look at every single one? No. You contract with the Sanborn Map Company yep. to make maps of 12,000 cities and towns around the United States. Between, and they did uh, it from 1867 yes. to 1970. That's pretty comprehensive. Hand-drawn mm-hmm. aerial maps. And these things were detailed, man. I mean, like, the, they, they look like... Um, Land use maps uh-huh. of today, yeah, yeah. Um, like it, there's not the little tiles drawn in or bricks or anything like that. But I mean, like they're detailed. Like here's the closest fire hydrant. Here's how many sprinklers this house has. Here's where the windows are. Right. Here's what the building nearby is used for. I was looking at one. I can't remember what town it was, but there was like the foundry or the old foundry, uh-huh. and it said like vacant. And then there's the other foundry nearby. And here's these houses. It's a drawing of a city, right. and they did it all over the place. Yeah. And again, they did it to for the fire insurance industry, but these towns also got copies of these maps, and a lot of them have them on file. Totally. And I so think because a, uh, it was for the fire insurance, it was why you get detail like where the windows and doors were, sure. and I think it also says what materials. Your house was made of. Right. They also did them um, in Mexico and Canada. They also did um, maps on sugar refineries uh-huh. in places like Cuba and whiskey distilleries throughout the country cool. um, because those things tend to explode. Sure. And, uh, yeah, they, the Sanborn Company basically made it so that you can find what your house looked like any time during this period mm-hmm. or where what else was around it. It's really cool because they also included street names and addresses. Right. So if, you're, if your city has a Sanborn map, you are in luck. Yes, agreed. Um, the other thing you can do is, well, if you, if you are able to trace the deed back to the original owner, you can go to the Internet then if you've got a name. It's always worth a try. Oh, definitely. Because you never know if someone back then uh, is noteworthy enough to be included somewhere in the historical records on the net. Right. You and you, you. If you can't get the deed, but you can, if you have other records like uh, surveys, sure, tax assessor census, um, yeah, records, that's a big one. Uh-huh. Uh They'll have the names and ages and occupations of everybody in the house. Occupation. That's kind of cool. It is very cool. Um, what would we be? What would we be back then? Oh, I was a cobbler for sure. Were you? Yeah, yeah. Cooper. Really? Sure. Wow. I underestimated you. Jerry, what about you? She has no idea. Uh, And also you can find the occupations of the people who own the house through a reverse telephone book. Yes, the Polk. Uh, the Polk Reverse Telephone Directory. Yeah. Did you know about these? I had no idea. That is, it's just such a smart thing, and it's so sure. it sounds so old-timey. Reverse Telephone Directory. Yeah, and that means you can uh, search by the address if you don't have the name. Right. You search by address, and then it takes you over to right. the name. and that'll be at your library. So now we've moved on from the county courthouse. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to tell everybody we're at the library We're now. at the library. Over here. That's over why here. it's so quiet. Yeah. Uh, so that's where you can find the Polk uh, Directory. 
And that's where you can find the occupation, which I think is probably one of the more interesting things. Well, you can in the census records, too. Well, what if you can't find it? All right, so now you've got – we're also – we're in the library still. Oh, so, that's right. Um, Sorry. Now, now you've got the, the name or one of the names of sure. one of the, the homeowners who lived in the house before you. Yes. Now it can get interesting. Right, because I suggested the Internet. If the Internet uh, comes up empty, which it likely will, uh-huh. or not likely, but it may. It might. That means you need to uh, look at something called microfiche. Yes. And if you're under, oh, I'd say probably 30 years old, yeah. you probably have no idea what microfiche is. So microfiche is um, it's microfilm. I don't know why they call it microfiche instead of microfilm. Someone will know, and we'll find out. Yes. Um, and basically, it's a ton of information on a very tiny strip, and you use a little magnifying glass. Actually, it's not a little magnifying glass. It's kind of big. Well, it's housed in a machine. Right. You can spin through. You've got this cool little dial. It was it's so super awesome. old-timey. And you can spin through and find um, newspaper clippings. Yeah. Right? You used to use it, I'm sure, too, right? In the I have days before. Of research. Yeah, I was never a microfiche whiz, but I have used it. It's pretty fun. But you have to cross-reference it. Like, you, you look for what you're looking for, and then right. you go through, like, a decade of newspapers on one film. Right. And you can find press clippings about the, the whoever's owned your house. Yeah. You might find that there was a murder there or that um, there were several murders there. Right. Because, frankly, Chuck, isn't that what everybody who's doing a house history is ultimately <laughs> looking for? You know what's funny? I should show you my note right here. The real reason is to find out if anyone's been murdered there. Exactly. That's the number one reason I would say anyone would look at their house history. I would say let's cut to the chase, but man, it took us a long time to get to the ultimate point. I know. Yeah. Um, I do have one more point about microfiche, though. Oh, okay. Because a lot of people think they're like Google masters and, ooh, I research on Google and I'm so good at it. Right. You don't know research, dude, until you get on microfiche. Right. That's where it's really hours and hours in the library and it'll seriously test your investigative skills. Yeah, these people who like write a book based on a year of experience that they, they took a year out of life sure. to like go do something right. and then they wrote a book about it. Yeah. Those people don't know writing a book. Talk to like Norman <laughs> Mailer. Go talk to like um uh Robert Woodward. Sure. Go talk to these people who actually had to go do research on microfiche yeah. and didn't just blog about something they were doing for a year. Right. It's not writing a book. That's called <laughs> lucking out. It's called dropping out. Wow. <clears throat> so, Chuck, yes. microfiche, are we done with that part? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, the library is also where you're going to find the census records though, that you were talking about. Wait, I thought that'd be at the, uh, at the city hall. It could be in both, actually. Okay. If you strike out at the city hall, you can look at the library. <laughs> the city hall. At the city hall. And the other thing you can look at the library is look up some books. There may be a book called The History of East Lake in Atlanta. Sure. And start thumbing through it. And there may be a picture of your house and, you know, the original mayor of East Lake lived there. Yeah. And when you find that out, try to contain yourself. Remember, you're in a library. Right. Don't shout. Funny you should bring up East Lake, Chuck, because, number one, that's where you live. Indeed. And number two, Emily wrote about Eastlake. She did some research on Eastlake, right? Yeah, I think she, in order to write the article, she just did a little digging around about her own hood uh-huh. to uh, kind of live the experience, maybe. Well, and she <laughs> found out some pretty cool stuff, actually. I, I had no idea. She did. Uh, Eastlake is um, probably best known now as the home of the Eastlake Country Club, uh, old country club, host of the uh, recent PGA uh, tournament there. For it, They've been hosting it for a while, right? Yeah, they usually have one tournament there every year, but now I think they finish the season there every year. Oh, okay. Or at least so, for now. So Tiger Woods was just in town, huh? He was right across the street from me. He's got a foul mouth. He does. 
actually. Mm -hmm. And I was able to make a couple of hundred bucks parking cars in my yard. (laughs) That's right. Last year, Chuck um, set up a Bloody Mary stand in his front yard and (laughs) was able to sell one before the cops came and uh, took the joint down. Chuck Chuck Bryan is what we call a hustler. I thought that was a sterling idea. It was a great idea, except, you know, you didn't have a liquor license. Yeah, that that was the only rub there. So, yeah, I was sh- shut down too sweet. So, uh, Eastlake, as it turns out, back in the day, the turn of the century, it was a farm five miles outside of the downtown uh, center of Atlanta. As was most of America at the turn of the last century. Absolutely. We should say the last century. Sure. Uh, and it had two creeks and a five-spring watershed, and uh, the owner of a streetcar company in Atlanta bought this farm. He uh, dammed it up and created a lake and, like, a beach community around this lake. Yeah. And An built old-timey some, beach community. Yeah, built hotels, and it was actually one of the first quote-unquote suburbs of Atlanta, which is funny because the suburbs in Atlanta now are you know 40 miles away. Yeah, if you're a fan of urban sprawl, you're going to love Atlanta. Yeah, but Eastlake is, is Atlanta now. It's not right. considered by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, very much so. Five miles from downtown yeah. is like that. It's just a neighborhood. Although I suspect with traffic the way it is, it takes as long to get downtown from Eastlake these days as it did in 1900. No, are you kidding me? No. I just shoot down to Cab Avenue, turns into Marietta, and you're there. You're crazy. <laughs> uh, so the horse and buggy, that was quicker, you think? Uh, yeah. Okay. Now you have hopefully found out the owner of your house, the original owner. You've gotten some information, and you may have gotten some information on the building of your house. Because you said the, the reason you would really want to find out to see if anyone was killed there. There are other reasons, too, like... If, like you were talking about architecturally, mm-hmm. there's a, all kinds of architectural oddities many times in these old houses Definitely. that don't make any sense unless you find out the history of the home. Yeah, Emily says um, that uh, you might find out that your kitchen is where your living room used sure. to be, which explains some of the odd angles. Is you, is, was she talking about your house? Or was mm, that just out no, of No, actually, we don't really have anything that odd. No. Except for the flooding issue in the basement, which I can't figure out. <laughs> but, like, something more interesting. Let's say you have a window in your. Uh, this little tiny closet, and you think, why would there ever be a silly little window there? And then you find out that it was a a backroom distillery during Prohibition or something. You never know. The house I grew up in as a child in Toledo uh-huh. had a secret passageway. No way. I kid you not. It, in a in the back of a linen closet, which the walls in the back were painted black. Uh huh. Um, if you pushed on the back wall. You went through a little door and you crawled through and you were on the steps going down to the basement on the other side of the house. So, well, how old was the house? Do you know? I don't actually. You're like seventies ranch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. No, it was definitely fifties uh, at least. Right. Yeah, but uh, it was fun to play hide and go seek in there. Well, if you, I bet, if you have some architectural oddity in your home, and you, you know, you're into this kind of thing, it'd be worth looking into for sure. Definitely. Um, also, if you are a renovator and you've been tasked with restoring a house, I mean, how are you? How else are you going to find out? Yeah, if you're really big into conservation mm-hmm. and you have, a, say, an old Victorian home and you really want to bring it back to its former glory, you should, you know, respect the original plans of the house. Definitely. And you can also charge an arm and a leg if you do all this extra research to uh, renovate to the original state. Absolutely. And, Chuck, um, one last thing I wanted to mention um, – Ghosts. Sure. I didn't know this. I didn't either. In California and Hawaii, you are required to disclose any ghostly activity in a house when you're selling it. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't either. But if you suspect that there's ghostly activity in your uh, house and you don't live in any of these 
states, you might go back and find out that there was that murder that you've been looking for. Yeah, and how cool is that? Wouldn't what, you the wanna, murder part? Or the yeah, yeah if part? you found out someone was murdered in your house, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. That wouldn't scare me. I'd think it was neat. Unless, uh, obviously, it turned into like an Amityville horror type of scene. But Well, sure. But you would have known something. coming out of the wallpaper? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a good reason. I would say if you have blood coming out of your wallpaper, that's a good reason to research the history of your house. <laughs> Get to work. And the other, the other final reason, I think, is if um, you might find out that someone famous used to own it or someone famous might have stayed there, and you could potentially get it listed as a uh, historical site mm-hmm. and save that house forever. Yeah. I'll bet your house ends up on the register in 50 years. Nah. Okay. But I'm going to find out the history of it, though. All right. Are I'm you like, really? Yeah, I'm going to look into it when I have some You're time. not just saying that? <laughs> Do I usually not follow through on my podcast promises? <laughs> well, if you have a really interesting history for your house and you want a little more detail, uh, you can read uh, Emily's article, um, how, how to Find the History of Your Home. Yeah. You can type that in the handy search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. Go find a Sanborn map just to look at them. Yeah, they are pretty interesting. Very you can much. find them online um, mm-hmm. in some cases, not all. Um, and since I said handy search bar, that means, of course, that it's time for a listener mail. Listener mail, Josh. Before we do that, I just wanted to say that, uh, give a special thank you to the boys and the Henry Clay people. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm holding their, uh, koozie right now. All right. Uh, if you remember a few weeks ago, we mentioned that, uh, some, uh, band in Southern California wrote us and they were fans of the show and... I like the CD, and I tried to get everyone together to go to the performance, uh, which was a few nights ago. And I was the only one able to make it, unfortunately. So I met the boys in the band. I met Joey and Andy, the two brothers. And um, I met uh, the drummer. I believe his name was Mike, and that was uh, the only other guy I met. Hung out, had some beers. They're super cool kids. Yeah. Very, very talented. And remember, we said that we were going to be at that show, and we actually had two fans come out seeking us out. Yeah, and you introduced uh, your friend Justin to them as me, right? As Josh. thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> this uh, lady comes up in the lobby after the show, and I'm hanging out with the band, and I think her name was Jeannie. And Jeannie, if I got that wrong, I apologize. I had a few beers at that point. And Jeannie and her husband came up and introduced themselves, and they were super nice and uh, very complimentary. And they came to the show on our recommendation and for a Josh and Chuck sighting. So in the city of Atlanta, we had two people interested in coming to see us. It's awesome. Which is pretty cool. Well, that's not bad. It's like 50% of the people in Atlanta listening to us. So True. It's not a bad and it was cool. I talked, you know, you know, me and my band stuff. I just peppered them with questions about being in a band. Right. I feel, I don't know, we hit it off. I feel like an honorary Henry Clay person. Sweet. And you may meet him in December if you come to L.A. with me. I'm not. You're not going to be able to come up? No. Ah. So you got any letters? Yeah, I got a letter. Okay. Um, this is from uh, Emily, and we're going to say her last name because it's a special thing. Emily uh, Friedendahl wrote us, I've been a big fan of the podcast since I discovered them in July. I was working a temp job, filing and making binders for eight hours at a time in a back room of a lighting company. What? Not fun. Um, the podcast helped her get through all this. We get a lot of these emails, people with boring jobs. And uh, she thanks us for that. And then she says, in fact, it got me so excited about uh, how stuff works and the topics you covered. I decided it would be kind of a dream gig to be able to write some of the articles that you cover. So I went online, submitted materials to be a freelance writer, and I just found out a few hours ago that I was accepted. All right, she's a colleague. Huh? She's a colleague. That's Emily awesome. is now a coworker, and she says she can't wait to start rolling on a project and uh, have you guys to thank for inspiration and for helping me put myself out there. And I emailed her a few times and told her congratulations, welcome aboard, and 
you know, we'll try and pick out one of our articles to podcast on. That's awesome. Congratulations, Emily. So she's she's a coworker officially. Sweet. Chuck, is that the only letter you got? Yep. Okay, um, let's plug Kiva. Yeah, go ahead. So Chuck had the bright idea of setting up a Kiva.org Stuff You Should Know team. Uh, and if you're not familiar with Kiva, it is a micro-lending website. It's a nonprofit. Uh, meaning you don't get any return on investment, but you do get your investment back if you choose. And loans as small as $25 go to fund bigger loans for uh, entrepreneurs in um, developing countries. Uh-huh. And we talked about it on the micro lending uh, uh, podcast. If you want to familiarize yourself with that, you can go listen to that one. It was pretty good. So you can go to www.kiva.org slash teams slash stuff you should know. And uh, you'll come to the Stuff You Should Know Nations team page. Mm-hmm. You can uh, donate whatever you want, as little as 25 bucks. And like I said, don't forget, you this this is repaid. The loan is repaid. Right. Uh, they also have gift certificates on Kiva.org, and it's a really good cost. Yeah, and um, we've already got 750 bucks donated. I know. And what, like 20 team members. Uh-huh. And we're stoked, and we want to call out again the lousy Colbert Report. <laughs> And Did you see that warning email we got from somebody? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was great. like, don't. Do you know what happens when you call out Stephen Colbert? Yes, you get his attention, which is exactly what we're trying to do. So we're calling, we're calling them out, and there is lousy fans who are cheap, and uh, we want to bury except them. for the ones that cross over between that sure. we share, of course. So we we want to beat them and uh, get their attention and challenge them to a kiva off. So uh, if you have an interesting story about your house, if there's a murder there, Chuck and I definitely want to hear about it. Have any suggestions about the Kiva team, let us know. Or if you just want to say hi, unicorns, tornadoes, torpedoes, any of that stuff, send in an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?